you know a lot about golf. Well, we're waiting. And the music means, ta-da! I should have left the music up to the musicians, shouldn't I? We yeah, are... I like music when somebody else does it. Those weekend golf guys. I am John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. I'm in the studio. He is uh, Timbergate Golf Course, Edinburgh, Indiana. Talk about your course today, as a matter of fact, man. It was busy. You know why? Because, because it, it was 72 degrees and it's February. I can't believe it, right? 68 degrees here in southern Indiana, and the golf course was packed. Yeah, we were short gaming it all day today. That's what we were doing. Short yeah. game, short game, short game, short game, short game, because we could do full swing stuff in the simulator inside right. all winter. Short game, short game, short game. We did bunkers. We did everything short game. It was awesome. Yeah, I should have used some of that today because uh, short game, I, I actually played in a scramble today, 72 degrees down in uh, southern Indiana, New Albany. My short game, I mean, I hadn't swung a club since, what, October? It showed big time. I mean, my drives <laughs> were great. Uh, irons were crisp. Short game and putting. Mm. But the guys I was playing with were were extolling the virtues of uh, Timbergate Golf Course. Well, that's a good track, man. Would you consider it difficult track? When the wind is up, oh yeah. Okay. It it has it's a treeless golf course. Right. And you know you look at it. Well, I I shouldn't say treeless. There is one in the middle of the par three fourteenth <laughs> that sticks out and makes it a dog leg to the right. So <laughs> okay. It does that one right. <laughs> but other than that. It is virtually treeless. And so when the wind is up, you better be able to hit a piercing ball flight. Yeah. If not, your ball will float and it will wreak havoc on your golf game. The wind is down. The golf course is fairly benign and mm. the greens are good. Everybody likes them. Even in the wintertime when they haven't cut them, people are saying, hey, look, dude, for the wintertime, these things are rolling pretty good. Right. I, I was just asking if you thought it was difficult because – you know, I have I have played golf courses where with guys who say, "Yeah, I don't like that course; it's too easy." Or I've I've played golf courses where people say, "Oof, man, that that's tough. I I don't I don't have any fun when I go there." But I don't understand that because golf courses are designed to be fun and to be as easy or as hard as you think your level of expertise allows it to be. Yeah, well, if they think they the golf course that hard, that tells me they don't hit the ball very straight. A lot of golf courses, even the ones that are notably more brutal, are brutal on the sides. Nobody's brutal in the fairway. That's true. And so that's that tells true. me, dude, hit the fairways more often, hit it straighter, better, and then all of a sudden you won't think it's that difficult. I came across a list of the 30 most difficult golf courses. And I know that you have firsthand experience with num a, a number of them. Yeah, I so like I, those. I think I would. There. I would maybe talk about some of them and, and you can tell me why they're difficult because you are a fairway yeah. guy. You're a fairway and greens kind of player, man. Right. Well, I am right. Cause I, I can control the flight of my ball a lot. You know, I get to see the best parts of a golf course. I don't get to see the worst parts too right. often. <laughs> right. Some of these are just struggling. Cause I know number 30s course it's number two Pinehurst number two. Yeah. It's hard, right? It's hard to score. Mm-hmm. They don't even have to have deep rough out there. It, it's not a flat golf course at all. It's a beautiful piece of property. It's up, it's down. There's a lot more hills in Pinehurst than what people tell you. You know, the only flat thing is a tee box. And it's the a bottle of Ross design, so there are no yeah. flat greens anywhere. No, 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 no. Those aren't even close to being flat. Those yeah. things, 
you know, look, those are like, okay, so you got this buddy of yours and he's got a pretty healthy sized gut, right? (laughs) Right. Now imagine him just laying on his back. (laughs) So there's a hole there somewhere and it's all on this mound and everything goes off the sides. Put the ball in the belly button (laughs) at number 29. Eastlake Golf Club in Atlanta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Boy, what a neat track that is. Isn't it great? Yeah. What a beautiful piece of ground that they've got. It's old. It's historical. And -hmm. they've redone it. And it is beautiful. Yeah. Bunkers there are unbelievable. The green complexes are amazing. The routing, the trees that, uh, look, go there and play. Enjoy it. You don't enjoy Pinehurst number two as much as you battle it. So East 20, Lake, you could enjoy it. 28's uh, one of your favorites, Harbortown. Oh, yeah. Boy, hit it straight um, and then hit it straight. And after you hit it straight a couple of times, hit it straight a third time. Right. Otherwise, <laughs> you are in trouble. And step over the alligators. I've played Harbortown numerous times. There's four hole, five holes that I, six holes that I love. All four par threes. They have, I think, Harbortown has the best set of par threes that I have played. Each one of them is an outstanding golf hole. Okay, so there's the, the famous 117. We see that one all the time, right? All the time, yeah. And then there's 18. Everybody sees number 18, and and the, it's this. You know, they got the Calabogie sound right there. The water's on yes. the left. The one with widest the fairway you'll ever see. Yeah, yeah. Widest fairway that you'll ever see in your whole life up to a point, and then the smallest green on the PJ Tour. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it, it's crazy, right? But if you can hit it. 190 to 240 yards off the men's blue tees you have the biggest landing area that you can ever find and then yeah. i'm sure you you've had like champions course at pga national and palm beach gardens uh yeah. spyglass you ever played spyglass on pebble Beach? i've not played spyglass okay. i want to go out to the monterey peninsula and play any of them out there yeah exactly any of now them. did you did you mention this one the championship links at royal county down I Castle, have not Northern yet Island. played Royal County Down. I want okay. to. Nope. Then we got the stadium course of PGA West in uh, yeah. California. That's got unbelievable. That. They got that. They got that bunker on. Oh, I can't remember. I maybe the seventeenth hole on the left side. It is just super deep. I mean, yeah. this thing you got to hit it straight up in the air. You got to swing hard to get this ball up in the air and forward enough, or it's coming right back at you, and you're going looking at that thing again. I want to mention this one because I, I uh, just. Did some research and found out we have numerous listeners in Mauritius. Mauritius? I, Mauritius. I, I, and I bet you you can't point on a map where Mauritius is. I'm thinking well, California? Off the coast of Africa, actually. You're right. I number, couldn't point on a map yeah. and put my finger on it. Number 22 is La O Surf's Golf Club in Through de O Douche, Mauritius. And then we go to Sawgrass and then the Olympic Club in San yeah. Francisco. Uh, the yeah. Bear at Williamsburg, Michigan at the Olympic at the uh, Grand Traverse Resort. Oh, um, yeah. That sounds fun. Number 17 is Shinnecock. Yeah. The West Course at Winged Foot is 16. Yeah. This is one I remember I because I, you you are very familiar and friends with uh, one of the pros there at Oakmont Country Club in Plum, I Pennsylvania. That's I have number played 12 there on the list. Time. I'll tell you what. I thought for the very first time, because I hadn't seen Oakmont in person, mm-hmm. I just saw pictures and old videos of – U.S. Opens there. Do you know there's not a damn tree on that golf course? Really? I did not. They cut them all down. No. They took everything away. To make it easy? 
It ain't easy, bro. <laughs> and I think, let me tell you, I think you've been to this one, the championship course at Carnoustie. And Scott have been at Carnoustie. Yeah. yeah. What a cool, cool, historic place that is. It, when you're at Carnoustie, you get the same vibe that you do when you're at the old course in St. Andrews. They're not mm-hmm. very far apart. Right. But yeah. you just know it just oozes of golf history. Yeah. And now the top 10, real quick, I'll run them down and stop at a couple okay. of these. But there's Quail Hollow in Charlotte. Oh, yeah. I played there. <laughs> the Ocean Course at Kiowa. Yep. Played there. The Straits Love Course it. at Whistling Straits. Yep. Played there. Augusta Nationals, number seven. Haven't played there. Uh, like this to. is this is one we need to get a trip together. The Old White Course at the Greenbrier in White Salt oh, Springs, heard. West Virginia. Oh, I've heard so many things. Uh, number five. The Pete Dye course at French Lick Resort in French Lick, Indiana. The yeah, fifth toughest golf course in the world, according to links.com. Not okay. surprising. <laughs> Number four is the Duds Dread course at Cog Hill. Played it. Played it. Shot 78. Was happy. <laughs> <laughs> Number three is the South course at Torrey Pines. Number two yeah. is Pine Valley in Pine Valley, New Jersey. Ooh. There's only one left that is notoriously tough, and I'm sure you know which one it is. Boy, too many come to mind, right? Toughest course, number one toughest course in the world, according to links.com, is the black course at Bethpage State Park. Oh, my gosh. You're right. It's a brute. It really is. It's a beast. Hit it long, hit it straight, hit it long, hit it straight, hit it long, hit it straight. If you can't do that, you can't play Well, Isn't that the one that has the sign that says, hey, this is a tough golf course, so... Yeah, you know, maybe you should did. think maybe you should think twice about teeing off here. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the red, it's good and not quite <laughs> as brutal, right? Yeah. The red's a good golf course. Yeah, I'd like to just right. know what what some of the uh, criteria are because I know when when they're talking about the Pete Dye course, they're they're talking about playing it from the tips at 8100 yards. Yeah, what a And of course that's ridiculously tough. Come I don't on. even make the pros do that. When they had the senior PGA there, they played from, what, 76, didn't they? Yeah, and that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Like, just the yardage itself, but where that would put you on that golf course is in just some brutal places. And then you got to hit longer irons into those greens that don't accept anything and keep it. Yep. You're like, man, yeah, this is a battle. Every moment, it's a so battle. You might, you might want to check out the uh, the level of difficulty on the courses that you're about to play. Uh, not not to sound like a snob and say, well, this course is just too tough for you. But <laughs> when you get to a course, like the Pete Dye course, if you have a bad day at the Pete Dye course and you can't hit the ball straight, you are hitting shots from places that you should never be hitting shots from. Yeah. And it gets to be not fun. It sure. really gets to be not fun. So, But, you know, if you hit it straight there, it ain't that hard a golf course. No, it's not. No, it's not. But, again, uh, there's uh, nothing much to stop the wind. No, not and there. You're, and you're a 1,000 feet in the air. So Yet another treeless golf course. Yeah. Yeah. With, so, I mean, it's it's built and it's, it's hard to find flat lies anywhere, too. So flat. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, in, in the description of the Peak Dye course at uh, French Lick, Indiana, the folks that wrote this article for links.com used the same word I used about Peak Dye sadist. <laughs> we are those weekend golf guys, and we will be right back. 
ka-ching. Man, I love that sound, and that is the sound of another sale on Shopify. You know Shopify. It's the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. So whether you're selling putters or pottery, Shopify simplifies selling online and in person and you can focus on growing your business. It's packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth. Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand, and you don't have to learn any new skills in design or code. Shopify even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. And once you start selling, Shopify makes getting paid simple by instantly accepting every type of payment. It's enough talk. It's your turn. Get serious about selling and try Shopify today. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash golfguys. Go to shopify.com slash golfguys. Take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash golfguys. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Why don't you follow us on Twitter? It's very easy. Just go to twitter.com. We are at WKND Golf Guys. And we are back, those weekend golf guys. I'm Sean Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. And uh, we were just talking about difficult golf courses and number five on the list of the top 30. Some of these were international and Mauritius and Scotland and Ireland. So I guess it's the 30 toughest in the world, many of which are here in the U.S. But number five was one that we play on a regular basis, the Pete Dye course at French Lick. And uh, we have had uh, many a uh, brutal outing. We have, you know, earlier we mentioned a couple things about that golf course and, you know, there's no flat lies. It's not even close. The tee boxes are not even flat. I don't even think that the pro shop floor. Is <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm telling you, I think you walk in there and I think that thing's tilted too. <laughs> you know, honestly, what I think it does, it slopes all toward the expensive things that you could buy. <laughs> <laughs> But it's something that um, we we would encourage you to do for your own personal edification is go to a golf course that they say is tough. Don't don't play above your head. Play a short yardage. Get out there and play from 65 to 6,700 yards. Yeah. You're going to enjoy the, the hard golf course more instead of just saying, oh, my gosh, I had to hit it out of the thick rough all day. I was swinging extra hard with my driver because I had to. I had to hit the dang thing set, you know, I played at 7,000 yards and I was in the rough all day and I had no fun because I'm trying to hit a hybrid out of the rough all day long. Can't get Mm -hmm. to the greens and can't get it up and down and blah, 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 right? No fun. Go make sure just because the golf course is hard doesn't mean that you have to make it harder by playing the wrong set of tees. I am not interested in playing the Pete Dye Golf Club at any more than 66 to 6,700 yards. I can play a golf course that's longer. But when I get to a golf course that is brutal, that beats you up with the bounces that you get, the lies that you have, the myriad of trouble that they throw at you, I don't want distance to be my choice mm-hmm. as a problem. There's already going to be plenty of them out there. There's already plenty of challenges on this golf course. Don't beat yourself up, folks. Make sure that you choose a distance that that's not going to be one of the factors and one of the things that make you not enjoy your day. Exactly, because you want to enjoy your day. I think one of the things that all 30 of those golf courses have in common is not only are they tough, but they ain't cheap. But they also stay very well maintained. So think of it as like, all right, this is a bucket list item. Right. Let's save our money. And let's not try to think of this as, man, I'm used to playing a $35 golf course. 
You mean to tell me that I got to go pay 10 times that much to go play one round of Pete Dye? You know what you'll talk about for a long, long time? That one round of Pete Dye. Dye. (laughs) Exactly. That's right. You'll remember everything about it. You'll remember your caddy. You'll remember your caddy's name. You'll remember the fact that your caddy gave you a good read on number 14 and a lousy read on number six. You'll remember everything (laughs) about that. Also want to point out at the Pete Dye course, you will remember for eternity, the metal etched bag tag with a map of a hole and your name engraved on it. So that from that day forward, every time you play golf anywhere in the world with anybody, they are going to see that and know that you conquered the Pete Dye course because you don't have to tell them it kicked your butt. <laughs> right. <laughs> tell them, hey, I shot, a, I shot an 83. I was really happy. You know, <laughs> Look, you don't have to remember the golf course for the majestic layout that it is. You don't have to remember it for the big volcano bunkers that they have there. <laughs> And you're like, wait, did he say volcano bunkers? Yeah, folks, go to the website and take a look at what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. They made a bunch of mounds and then they lopped off the top of the mounds and they put a bunker on the top. (laughs) And it's a freaking (laughs) volcano looking thing with sand in the top. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to go up on the top of hole number seven after you make your par putt and you're going to hike up the hill behind the green and you're going to go and drop your ball and you're going to be like 25 to 30 feet above the green surface right behind it. You're going to drop that ball in that volcano bunker and you're going to get your sand wedge out and you're going to hit yourself a volcano bunker shot onto the green and make a putt. That's fun. And when you get to the 305 yard par three, (laughs) you're going to have some fun there too. Yeah, aim left, boys. <laughs> the only part three in the world with a bunker in the fairway. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And a lake all the way down the right side. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah and junk mm-hmm. all the way down the left side with the cart path. Yeah. And let's see, that thing's about, oh, from 300 yards all the way to about, say, 40 yards in front of the green. Uh, it's a little sliver of a ground. And then mm-hmm. about 40 yards in front of the green, they give you about a 10-yard to 15-yard wide little strip of ground that you could actually find your ball and play from. Have fun. So here's a here's a little tip. Now, the last time that you and I were together playing golf at the Pete Dye Golf Club, mm-hmm. I think my daughter Rebecca was there too. Yes, she was. Rebecca learned from me a long time ago a fun little thing. Now, we got to hole number 16, and she saw all the trouble. And she saw your knees knocking and you (laughs) complaining about how hard the hole was. You know, when she went up to the tee, she reached into your golf bag and got a ball out. So (laughs) she remembered (laughs) exactly what I taught her. That's where that ball went. That's right, folks. You heard it correctly. (laughs) I shall not repeat myself. (laughs) Yeah, it's always always fun to to, to play above yourself. I mean, not not something that's so bad that it gets totally frustrating. But to to play something that you may think you're, I don't want to say not ready for, but something that tests every element of your game. Especially your mind, right? There's so many, you know, people get to golf courses and they say things like, I'm intimidated by this golf hole or by this golf course. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it's some personal challenge that they cannot overcome. You're like, wait a second. Um, Hit the ball straighter and you can play anywhere. 
Yeah, it's, a total, it's a total mind thing. Uh, a, a little anecdote that proves that. We played Pete Dye, and we got to be very, very friendly with one of the caddies there. Uh, mm-hmm. Name's Randy. Uh, yep. he's, he's he's a piece of work. He's a great caddy. He's a great golfer. He's a great guy. Yep. And he was friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show. He's been on a couple of times. Uh, mm-hmm. He was mentioning one time while we were playing around that he had played in a lot of the great golf courses in southern Indiana, and they are myriad, the great golf courses in southern Indiana, with the exception yeah. of Chariot Run, which was the golf course for Caesars Casino. Yeah, that's a neat track, man. It's a great track, and it's not the easiest course either. No. I mean, it's it's kind of difficult. No, it's so a good we piece arranged, of ground. We arranged to take Randy with us to play at Chariot Run. After the eighth hole, I was even par. And he came up to the tee on number nine, and put his arm around me, and he said, John, what the hell? <laughs> he said, <laughs> you sandbagging dog. Yeah, he said, you, you weren't even at the die course after one. <laughs> I went, and, and that's what I said. I said, the, the Pete die course intimidates me. I just I I have negative thoughts when I get there and and they are self-fulfilling prophecies. That's the problem with negative thoughts. Yeah, you're so right about that. Look, I work with a lot of players that become tournament golfers and most of the things that we do, not just sharpening skills and not just making sure that they're learning how to compete, but it's learning how to accept something and say Instead of being intimidated by something, you can change your viewpoint and say, I love this hole. I know my opponents are going to hate it. I'm going to rip this right down the middle and watch them struggle. And all of a sudden, things get easier. And golf course holes never intimidate a lot of my players. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what I did with my own children because I knew they would be tournament players. When we were going along and they were growing up in golf, I took them to hard golf courses and acted like they're normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this ain't hard. We went. What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, it just let's go hit it over here. Look at what look at what the architect tells us where to hit it. Yeah, they got trouble here and trouble there. That's so. So what? We know where we're going to hit it now. So we taught them how to think, and it became the normal. Instead of playing flat no nothing boring golf courses that don't provide you any challenge mm-hmm. we went to the places that other people think are intimidating and we acted as if it was all normal so that way when we did go places and it was time to play tournament golf they were just that was like the regular thing mm-hmm. now that doesn't is some people go, oh, well, you're just a golf pro and you can do that and you don't have to pay anything for golf. Your kids don't pay anything for golf. So they, it's kind of an elitist thing. All right, I got you got me on that. All right. You got me on that. But the truth is, is that the harder golf courses that you go play and normalize, the more you look at every golf hole as being, yeah, I'm just going to hit it there. So that way, John, you don't wind up rolling into the Pete die going, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. This golf course intimidates me. I'm going to shoot a million. I get. I need to get back to Champions Run, by the way, which is a really good golf course. But yeah. yet, it didn't have that same effect on you. Yeah. 
right? Exactly, because yeah, because for two reasons. One is visually, it's not as intimidating, and the other thing is that uh, his, historically, I have scored much better at at Chariot Run than I've ever have at the Pete Dye course. So, well, sure. I mean, let's think about this. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Yeah, Pete Dye. What did they rank it? As as the what the sixth hardest golf course Fifth. in the world fifth, fifth. Mm-hmm. hardest golf course in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get it. You're not gonna score so much. Yeah, it's not going to be a piece of cake, man. Not yeah. gonna be. And you know that going in. Uh, some of the things that Jeff has said in the first two segments have triggered <laughs> some reactions from some folks, and uh, we're going to get him to address those when we come right back. We are those weekend golf guys. Hang on. Of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash golfguys. We would love it if you were to go there and like us. We'd love it even more if you'd go there and follow us, facebook.com slash golfguys. Hi, this is John Ashton, and I am looking to eat better this year. If you have made the resolution to eat better this year, we have a deal for you that's going to make it so easy and delicious. It's called Green Chef. They are the number one meal kit for eating well. Now, no matter what kind of lifestyle you're looking for, let's say keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, even gluten-free, and whatever you choose, you can get it through Green Chef. Now, the recipes feature organic produce, premium proteins, sustainably sourced ingredients. And you know that if you do this Green Chef meal kit deal, you will reduce your food waste by up to 38% versus grocery shopping. You need to go to greenchef.com slash weekend60 and use the code weekend60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. Greenchef.com slash weekend60 and use the code weekend60 to get 60 percent that's 60 percent off plus free shipping and we are back those weekend golf guys i'm john ashton he is jeff smith now jeff we've been talking Uh, about basically taming the tough golf courses right yeah one of the things that you have said repeatedly is just hit it straight yeah easy when you hit it straight yeah well a couple of people going yeah yeah, just hit it straight like how to be a millionaire and not pay taxes first get a million dollars (laughs) come on people this is not hard you've been listening to the show folks for quite some time yes you have what do we do here we talk about how to hit it straight. We also so talk about go get yourself some lessons to hit the dang thing straight. And that's what I was going to say. Could we reiterate some of the techniques that you uh, impart to your students that make it uh, much more common that the ball is hit straight? Yeah. So let's think of a couple of little simple details that people seem to forget about in hitting the ball straight. The club face must face the same direction it's swinging which means no twisting of the handle, no twisting of the shaft, no twisting of the head, left or twisting of it right throughout your golf swing. Don't do it. So that way the club face can face the same direction it's traveling when it runs into the back of the ball. So at impact, the club is swinging toward the target and the face is pointed at the target. And those of you who say, oh my God, Jeff, that's like fourth grade education stuff. Yes, it is. I'm not disputing that. What I want to point out is most people need to focus on simply that because when they start focusing on other things, that part doesn't happen. And then their ball goes sideways. And then they sit there and think about going, what do I need to do in my swing motion to make this ball go straighter? 
And the answer might not be anything at all in the swing motion. It might be just leave the stinking face from twisting around so your hands and your forearms aren't rolling around either direction. Because sometimes people are so focused on some in-swing thing that they cannot control the face of. And when they don't control the face, the ball responds accordingly and goes sideways. And then they they shoot 90s and 100s as if they're telling the truth. This is common sense information about the average guy who can't hit the ball straight enough to score well. This is not elite level golfers that I work with. This is not even the college level golfers that I work with. This is the people that are listening to the show for fun, the recreational golfer that says, don't I, aren't, aren't you supposed to be this guy who teaches people how to swing this way and this way, and I'm supposed to get this gem out of this? Yeah, here's one of the gems, folks. Straighten the dang face out. Pick it up in your hand. Stick it out in front of you before you even look at it. Fully extend your arms and your wrists and look at where the stinking club face is because it's possible and sometimes probable that you're not even holding a straight club when you think you are. It might be twisted one direction or the other, and you may want to fix that before you even swung it at a ball. Check. You've heard me on this show numerous times, John. Measure twice, cut once. Mm -hmm. Measure twice. When you put your left hand on it, your lead hand, check your grip, check the club face, stick your arm out up in front of you, hold it out in front like a baseball bat, all the way out in front. Look at the club face lines. Are they straight up and down? Yes or no? And if they're not, fix it. If they are, great. Put your right hand on. Make sure it hasn't checked anything. And then do a mock swing that the mock swing stops at mock impact and go, whoa, man, stick the club out there and go to impact position and see if the club face came back straight. Right. That'd be check number two. That'd be measure twice. That'd be measurement number two. Mm -hmm. And if measurement number one and measurement number two are both good, feel free to cut once, folks. That would be hit the ball with that one. And you'll find out that you will not curve your ball very much at all, and you'll have a better time playing golf. And if you incorporate those things into a pre-shot routine, you will do it every time without fail. Because a lot of times when when Jeff first was showing me that this is what we need to do, I would forget or neglect or <laughs> say, ah, to hell with it. Mm-hmm. And the ball would go to the actually what would happen is I would I would neglect to do it, not not on purpose, but just wouldn't think about doing that. And then I'd swing and I'd hit the ball and it would move to the left or move to the right. And I would say, oh, man, I forgot to check the club face. So what I had to do is I had to make it a consistent routine pre-shot. To check the position of that club face by doing that. And some people may giggle at you a little bit. Some people may think you're taking too much time. Some people may think you're being, you know, anal retentive about the whole thing. The hell with them because you're beating them. Look, do it just a little faster, right? Yeah. Look, I think a pre-shot routine should take 20 seconds tops. Yeah. Before you, from, from the moment you start until the ball's in the air, you're not even having to rush. In 20 seconds, nobody thinks you're playing slow, except the guy who gets it done in 10. Yeah. And that guy's hitting a lot of shots because he's hitting it really sideways. Yeah. Because he's too busy trying to play fast, like that's the goal. Right. Instead of playing pretty fast and prepping for your shot, 
hitting the shot and then not wasting any time after to play fast. So yeah. and see, when, when you do that kind you of a, a routine, yeah. you, you not only assure that, that all the aspects that you need to have in order are, are there, you know, the, the, the club is the club faces where it should be, that it's straight. It's, you know, the ball position is where it should be, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be so much more productive than the guy who sits there and takes five, six, ten practice swings. Yeah, no kidding. Not knowing any of whether the club face is straight or not. You know, the, you know, the swing can be great, but if that club's not where it should be, that ball is not going to go where you want it to go. I have a lot of people that ask me about this. How many practice swings should I take? My brain says one. Mm-hmm. Because... I don't believe as a player, nor as someone who's coached many good players to great players, that a practice swing is a thought-filled motion with the intent to do a dress rehearsal for what they're about to move like. I see that people succeed with one practice swing that does nothing more than rev up your engine. That's it. Mm -hmm. It should be a free flowing athletic motion just so you can kind of get in the swing of it. So to speak. Yeah. Right. That's it. The only time I take two is if the first one is, is uh, obviously bad. Like if I stub the club early or or swing and hurt myself or something like that, knowing that I that my body yourself, moved, yeah, probably that got my, an issue, right? Yeah, that my body moved incorrectly. So your practice swings, John, have thought to them. Because you just said my body moved incorrectly, which means you're paying attention to am I moving correctly or not? What I'm saying is every practice swing should just be a free-flowing back and forth, not for the purpose of creating a specific motion, thought, or feel. This is, I'm revving up my engine. I've turned my key, my foot's on the floor, I revved up my engine, and then I took my foot off the floor. All right, now let's put the car in drive, and then let's step on the gas and go. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. I got you. Right. I got you. All right. I stand corrected. Well, I'm just talking about it like, okay, (laughs) you mentioned people who take four and five practice swings. I'm like, oh, I want to, you know, when I see somebody like that, I want to bet them money on how we're going to play the game. (laughs) I will win every time. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I just learned that their mind is so wrapped up in the motion that they won't be able to play the game, hit the ball to the target. They won't be oriented on their athleticism, they won't be oriented on a pre-shot routine. Nope. They're going to stand over the ball, and they're going to have thoughts in their head about how to move. If they're doing it when there's no ball there, you know dang well they're going to be doing that when there is a ball there and a target to hit a ball to. Yeah. Those people are toast. Yeah, I like, I like the guys who take you know six, seven practice swings and then hit a bad shot and go, oh, man, I wasted the good one. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Their brain is shot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you see people like that, John, double the bet. <laughs> <laughs> or get one going to begin with. 
hey, I'll bet you the next shot, <laughs> I'll bet you 50 cents the next shot is better. And then we'll double it every every swing after that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, very cool. I mean, that's, that's, again, you know, it's really, this is not a hard game. We make it hard on ourselves. And we do it because we play mental games with ourselves when we get out there. We 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 mess up our own heads. But if you just check your club face, make sure it's straight, you're going to hit the ball a lot straighter than you've been hitting it. That's no the bottom line. question about it. Yeah, no question about it. Then all these golf courses that are hard or intimidating aren't so much because your ball's closer to the center of the fairway. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you're not so far off. You're not losing any balls. You don't have to reach into the your playing partner's bag to hit some when the when the <laughs> when you're up on that tough par three over water. Right. <laughs> uh, see how much easier we've made it for you. Uh, hang on, we've got we've got more time together here, and we're coming right back. We are those weekend golf guys, don't you move? Attention individuals and businesses struggling with tax debt during the COVID-19 pandemic. The IRS Deputy Commissioner has just announced the Taxpayer Relief Initiative. To take advantage of the new program, you need to call United Tax Fix right now. United Tax Fix will help you settle your tax bill for an amount you can afford, remove or reduce penalties, stop negative collection actions, and negotiate affordable monthly payments. Don't ignore your tax bill, negotiate and resolve your tax debt now and take advantage of the new taxpayer relief initiative program even if you've been rejected or turned down in the past you may qualify for a settlement under these new guidelines here's the bottom line if you're struggling with your tax bill you can't afford to wait you need to call united tax fix right now for a free phone consultation call 800-762-2768 that's 800-762-2768 800-762-2768 Of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash golfguys. We would love it if you were to go there and like us. We'd love it even more if you'd go there and follow us, facebook.com slash golfguys. And thanks for hanging. We've got more together here. We are those weekend golf guys, and we've been talking about playing hard golf courses, that there really aren't hard golf courses. They're golf courses that we make hard. There are golf courses that we allow ourselves to be manipulated into playing them with difficulty by being macho. Uh, we were behind <laughs> some some guys at, at a course that's not really hard, but it's long. And these guys had no business playing from the tips. I mean, none whatsoever, because they they weren't long enough to play from the tips. Half the time we were behind them and we they didn't get their drives into the fairway. Or they were hitting the ball so hard, swinging so hard that they couldn't control the ball. And it would go, you know, 250, 300 yards, but you couldn't tell in which direction it was going to go prior to hitting the ball. You know, it's kind of like, maybe you should open your eyes next time you swing. It might help, you know? Yeah. You know what? They're there for testosterone outlet, you know, and I'm not going to say things like testosterone makes you stupid. Didn't really have to say that. No. But we do see that in a lot of golfers. Don't we, though? Yeah. They act like that it's like a badge of honor to go to the back tee when you can't play good golf from the back tee but you could play good golf from the middle tee or even the forward tee 
or even the forward tee, right? Where do you play good golf from? Mm -hmm. Why do you play the game? If you play the game to see how far you can hit the ball, then go to the range and do that. Exactly. When you're on the golf course, go play from the distance that you can play with after you've hit a drive that you've got like an eight iron into your hand right into the green right that distance right there means that you could play the golf course somewhere how it's designed and it would be a challenge but what if you can't hit the ball far enough off the tee that you can't even get it to the fairway bunkers yeah i mean that's that's no fun at all when you hit your second shot out of the rough because you haven't hit you haven't reached the fairway yet yeah i mean come on you know but you know who benefits from that? Callaway, Ping, <laughs> Taylor Man. Why? Because you every lose a year lot of golf balls. More distance off the tee. Oh, yeah, yeah. Longer. And every year, every year, they lie. Yeah. They lie. Yeah, but every year you're shoveling out 500, 600 bucks because this driver is going to get you there. Guess what? The prices have gone up. I'm seeing some of the prices of the drivers these days, and they're seven hundred dollars. Yeah, I'm like, are you insane? I saw a commercial the other day uh, with one of the pros uh, talking about, you know, I, I forget which brand of driver it was, but it's one of the new ones, you know. Yeah, and, right. and basically, it was a guy who was practicing with with a coach. And mm-hmm. was was talking about things that they could do for for more distance. And they were, you know, working out. They were in a gym. They were, you know, doing all this kind of stuff. And then the, the pro just said, or you could buy one of these. <laughs> like, right. yeah, I don't have to do any work. Let me just spend money on this driver. Yeah, you know, right. Why worry Let's about see. it? Hmm, college education for my kid or a driver. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hmm. What do you think? Uh, how about a new set of tires for a driver? <laughs> That's realistic right? money That's right, right there. That's right. Down payment right? on a new house or a driver is okay. I, you know, slight see, exaggeration, but you know. How about how about five rounds of golf at really nice golf courses or a driver? Right. Yeah, exactly. Now, before all the club manufacturers get bent out of shape at me at this conversation, <laughs> they ought to realize they're the ones that caused this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Serve you right to Sefa, baby. Serve right. you right. So before I start getting some sales reps listening to our show, <laughs> calling me on the phone going, excuse me, sir, but we have this agreement. <laughs> We're promoting our product instead of bashing our prices <laughs> if you'll oh, notice yeah. i did not mention a certain company's name in this conversation yeah, I know. because <laughs> i'm on staff with them very careful and they make a very good driver <laughs> and i mentioned other companies you can go back and listen to the tape folks right? and that was for the benefit of the sales reps who are listening um that's right hey I, I found out one one quick thing before we leave i mm-hmm. heard about a new game to play uh, it's a great game, especially if you're in a league. Um, and it's a great game, as, as they say, for uh, unmasking sandbaggers. Oh, let's hear this game. Okay. Every golfer in the 
league gets a flag. Uh-huh. And then they sit down and they tell what their handicap index is. Right. You add that. So let's say, you know, I'm in here and I say uh, an 11. Okay. Yep. And I'm playing at a par 72 course. Right. So you take the par 72 and you add my handicap 11 and you get 83. Right. When I hit my 83rd shot, I plant my flag and I stop. Yeah. We've had tournaments like this. When I was at a long time ago, when I was at Harrison Lake Country Club, we did flag tournaments like that. We didn't view it as though we were unmasking the sandbaggers, but I like the idea of a flag tournament for that purpose because whoever gets the farthest around the golf course Mm -hmm. is the winner on the day. Yeah. What if it happens the second, third time when they're always seem to be in the running? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So how do they how do they expose them? Well, do as, say, as, you, as you mentioned, it's it's the you know the the guys who get to finish the 18th and haven't yet taken their allotment of shots. Yeah. So what are they doing? Are they taking an overhead view of the golf course as to where everybody's last shot was played from or the, their, their tournament handy or their, their handicap shot was, was played. And do they just post that? Is that how they're exposing them? Or do they say John Ashton wins again? He got to play 21 holes and three shots. Yeah. With his handicap this time. And everybody goes, that's a bunch of that, that means that John Ashton's handicap is a, a little yeah. bit uh, skewed. So I think a picture of that with a bunch of names on it, yeah, on like the top five people, yeah, would be pretty good too, as far as exposure, right? Yeah. And but but like you said too, without the exposure idea, I mean, it's it's still fun to see if you can play to that. Yeah, how, how accurate that that is on any given day, you know. Yeah, look, because look, the the way that the handicap system is designed, if you're an honest golfer, it is supposed to be a representation of your potential, and you're only supposed to be able to reach your potential in a tournament like once, <laughs> not once a month. Yeah. Not once a week, yeah, right, but once in many events, right. right, right. Otherwise, it's not really a representation of your potential, and it becomes more of a reputation representation of your average. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people want it to be a representation of their average so that half the time they can shoot better and win money, and when it doesn't matter, they can shoot higher and not care yeah that's what they're trying to do all the golfers are trying to manipulate their handicap to an advantage on their regular day and then they want to hold a trophy and get their picture taken by having a handicap that isn't quite right yeah again these for example there's a notable one that's happened just a couple of weeks ago at the at&t pebble beach pro-am okay Somebody who just got done finishing an NFL season, meaning he didn't play much golf from October until the end of his season, which is no playoffs. And then all of a sudden, his handicap 
was a little higher than his skill level. And he happened to win the amateur portion of it. <laughs> oh, he remembers Isn't that. Uh, Isn't that yes. great? And we used to think that Mr. Rogers was just this nice and benign character that we saw on children's television. <laughs> and now we know that Mr. Rogers carries a handicap that is wrong for his this skill is, level. This is the other Mr. Rogers. Okay. Yes. This is this is not the sweater slippers, Mr. Rogers. No. <laughs> hey, so, listen, you can check us out if you wanna if you want to get some more information on how to hit it straight. Because you're still a little confused, jeffsmithgolfinstruction.com. Uh, you can also check out some of the stuff Jeff posts at thoseweekendgolfguys.com and uh, on the uh, League of Extraordinary Average Golfers, which is a Facebook group you can join for free. We'd love to have you there. It's a fun place. And then right here every week. Okay? So learn how to hit it straight. Don't let a golf course intimidate you. And go play some golf. 